Are you ready to start thinking big? I mean real big. I mean like massively big. I even mean gargantuanly big. I even mean chicken soup for the soul kind of big. Well, wait till you see who we have on this show today. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast, where we interview remarkable world-class experts that help bring out the greatness within you. Top book authors, super successful business people, and outstanding special guests that will motivate and inspire you with their incredible, uplifting stories and life-changing tips and strategies. Our goal is your success. If you desire more out of life, you've dialed into the right show. So fasten your seatbelts, friends, and let's get ready for some high-octane motivation. Now, your host, the mayor of motivation, Eli Marcus. If you are into motivation and self-help, then our guests on today's motivation show need no introduction. But let's blow you away with their intros anyway. We have the co-author of a book series that has sold over 500 million books. You heard that right, 500 million. Time Magazine called it the publishing phenomenon of the decade. The Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. In the area of human potential, no one is more renowned than the titan of inspiration and motivation. If you want to know what's possible in your life, then listen very closely to one of the most dynamic and compelling speakers of our time, as he has shaped people's lives with his powerful message of possibility, opportunity, and action for more than 44 years. We also have one of the leading success and wellness coaches in the country. This dynamic lady is an entrepreneur, certified life coach, and wellness nutrition expert with clients worldwide that have experienced remarkable success in their relationships, career transitions, and health and wellness. She is the author of Skinny Life, The Secret to Being Physically, Emotionally, and spiritually fit. Both of these game changers have co-authored a new book, which I can't put down, and I have not gotten through it yet, but I am pumped. It's called Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. You guys are gonna be blown away today hearing from these two. Welcome to The Motivation Show, Mark Victor Hansen and Crystal Dwyer Hansen. Thank you, Eli. Wow, what a great introduction. We appreciate it. And you and I have known each other for decades, so that's really nice. Thank you, Eli. (laughs) Well, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back actually about uh, 23 years ago, and I'm going to tell a quick story of us meeting. Uh, You had done a seminar for me. You were kind enough to fly in and do a seminar for my company called the Seminar Center. And you had asked me for breakfast the next morning. Now, this story is even going to blow you away because I doubt if you'll remember uh, the great question you asked me 23 years ago. We were sitting for breakfast in the Drake Swiss Hotel in New York City on 56th and Park, which no longer even exists, by the way. That's how long ago that conversation was. You asked me a question that only years later I really comprehended in its largesse. You know what you asked me, Mark? No, sir. What did I ask you? Please. You said to me, can you fill up the Meadowlands for an event if I were to hold an event? Now, I was a pretty humble kind of guy who, to be perfectly frank, probably struggled to put 100 people in a room. You know, that was kind of the beginning days of my motivational world. It took me years later to really comprehend 
what that question was all about. Why? Because Mark Victor Hansen had the audacity to actually say, I want to sell 1 billion books. Who would ever think of selling 1 billion books when the average amount of books sold by anybody is 5,000? And here you are over half a billion books. So it took me a long time to realize who I was speaking to and the power of the ask, which is what your new book is all about. So let me up, we'll let you still fill the medal in. <laughs> One day I might actually take you up on that. Um, because, you know, I've learned that if you set the bar here, you know, at a certain level, you're going to get to probably that bar at best. If you set it higher, you're going to probably get to that bar. And if you set it even higher, you're probably at least stand the chance to get to that bar. So you're only as good as, is what you can possibly conceive and believe. That's and right. I think, I think right, the Mark? size of your question determines the size of your results. So you might as well ask bigger questions because they don't cost any more. But boy, do they give a bigger, better, stronger, healthier, more opportunistic result that not only benefits you, but benefits all of those that you're going to get to serve. Exactly. So what inspired you both to write this remarkable book? Well, Mark and I are so blessed to travel around all over the world. We meet so many amazing people. What we started to notice, Eli, is that those who are like super successful in many areas of their lives and those who are not, um, are not so different, okay? They're all smart, talented, probably more over-endowed with talent. They wouldn't use their talent in, in four lifetimes. But the big difference is one thing, the ability to ask. Mm -hmm. And as we started developing our ideas, around asking, we realized, Mark and I both realized that throughout our lives, anytime we were down, anytime that things had gone bad, what got us out of our situation was the ability to ask the right questions and then to answer those questions mm -hmm. honestly. And so as we started to explore this further, we, we ended up inter interviewing 26, um, what we call master askers for the book, and the same held true for their lives. You know, they, they were able to get through all of the bumps, the pitfalls and everything by asking the right questions and then moving forward from those answers. So we had a lot of fun bringing this together. And uh, we discovered that there are three channels through which to ask. And those three channels are equally important. They're ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. Mm. And uh, boy, you can't leave one of those out, can you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. Yeah, sure. especially not the last one. You're really you'd be in trouble, right? Right, exactly. No, that's that's the one that kind of makes everything all right. That's so, weird, but, sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. So back in 1974, when I went bankrupt in New York, uh, you know, I went bankrupt so fast. I asked the wrong question because you can ask right questions. It'll take you to your, what we're saying is the subtitle of the book is the bridge from your dreams to your destiny. We're saying everybody that's alive has a destiny. And they need to get in the energy orbit of somebody that is a little bit uh, further along than they are and get in trained to them, get a mentor, mentee. But back then, I went bankrupt. Um, I, was built, I built the Wall Street Racket Club, Botanical Gardens, Aviaries. But as you know, in 1974, we had double-digit inflation. The oil embargo hit. The Arabs said, we can write checks so big, your banks will bounce. Well, they did for me. I checked the book library, How to Go Bankrupt by Yourself. It was tragic. It was terrible. I was hiding under the cover, sleeping in front of another guy's, uh, in a sleeping bag in front of another guy's room for six months. And all of a sudden I said, well, back to question number one, what do I want? And, you know, and what I wanted was I wanted to talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a life changing difference. And I started speaking, learn how to do it. Then everyone said, boy, that story you ought to have it in a book. So my first book was 
stand up, speak out, win. I sold 20,000 copies in the, from the platform, a little bitty audiences of life insurance. I did a thousand talks a year, first three years. And I went from 75 grand a year as, as a beginning speaker to making 20,000 times $10. I made 200,000, tripled my income. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven, especially <laughs> in New York back in 1974. You will agree that was big chump change. I was loaded comparatively. Wow, that's a great story. Um, you know, I, I can't help but ask that question about how many uh, times you were actually rejected for chicken soup for the soul and how you, you know, ended up, you know, just forging on and believing uh, that you could, you know, theoretically even conceive of s selling a billion books? Right. That's one of the reasons they probably rejected it because I wrote a while of a business plan. But what they didn't understand behind that was that I was asking all the best fiction and nonfiction authors, not how to write. I know how to write since I was 16 or a little earlier. And my wife is a phenomenal, phenomenal writer. But back then I said, how did you market and sell so many books? So as far as I know, again, you know, I don't know everybody's story personally, but nobody else ever codified it, wrote it down, wrote a blog, a business plan, and said, this is what, you know, Scott Peck did. This is what James Michener did. This is what Wayne Dyer did. And I'm going to do that and more because you got to do everything you promise and a little bit more to make sure you got to go the extra mile is the theory. Hmm. Yeah. So I want to further discuss why so few of us ask for all the things that we want and need. And yet when we were kids, you know, we asked for everything and anything and we were, you were so relentless. We, you know, we just kept asking until we got it right. And then life happened. Right. And we stopped asking. So you write about your grandson Everett in your book. Can you tell us what Everett asked for and the significance of that? Okay, so Crystal and I are on vacation in Hawaii, and uh, Everett, who we absolutely love and adore, we had him at a sleepover this last weekend with uh, the other. We got six grandkids and five kids in our blended family, but he got a little what's called you and I would call it a Dick Tracy watch today. It's called a Gizmo watch, but it really does <laughs> exist. And, and it's only got four people he can call. He can call his parents and he can call his grandparents, right? So Everett, all of a sudden this call comes into my cell phone and it's from Everett. And I go, holy cow, we're on vacation. I go, I said, honey, Everett's calling. And, and I said, where are you? He said, I'm hiding in the closet. I said, you're hiding in the closet? Why is that? He says, because I'm talking to you, Grampy, and it's really important. I said, okay, it's really important. Anything you ever tell me is important and it's between us. What is it, son? I was thinking something had gone wrong. He said, you know those books you write? I said, which ones? He said, the chicken soup books? I said, yes, sir. He said, are you still writing books? I said, more than ever. He said, Grampy, with you, and we call her Mimi, can you and Mimi let me write a book with you? And she's sitting right there listening to this on speaker and I go, she nods her head and I go, yeah, you can write a book. And that's why we put this story in because kids have if they got loving parents and grandparents, they're, they're unstoppable askers and they need to be because it's the way you build your self-esteem, your self-image, your self-love, your validation in universe. Right. And when we're children, you know, like you were saying, like we, we come into this world asking who, what, when, where, uh, you know, it, we're so curious. We're endlessly curious. And we also want more. We ask for more and more and more. And we're not ashamed. And then something happens you know, in life, we get beat up, we get rejected, we get put down, go to school, you told to be quiet, stop asking, or, you know, teachers, then you go to your job, and your boss is the authority or the military. And pretty soon, just life, life kind of crushes us and crushes that ability, that natural ability to ask, and also our, our natural curiosity, which, which stops us from pursuing the things we want. And we talk about that in the book, we talk about the seven roadblocks to asking, 
And what we've discovered is every one of us carries at least one or more of these roadblocks to asking. Well, I carry a few of them, I think. Uh, and I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you my story just from yesterday. So I, I've probably been rejected more than almost any human being on the planet. Because when I first started in my career, uh, I started on 40th Street and Fifth Avenue. I went up to the top of a building, just knocked on everybody's door. And boy, did I get rejected. Boy, did I not know any better. Uh, so I went to the school of hard knocks. So you would think that, you know, I'm so used to getting rejected that I can ask for anything. So last night, uh, I'm walking around and I see a, a Channel 5 uh, news uh, car, right? And so I had this thought that maybe I should just go over them and talk to them. You know, maybe they might want a little more motivational sort of story than all the bad news that's been banding around. So I, I, I walked past them and, and I didn't get the courage enough to, to speak to them. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to take a second pass by them. And this time I'm going to ask them. Lo and behold, I went by them. I still didn't ask them, <laughs> right? Then I go back to your book, Ask, and I start reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. And I vowed, you know something, last night, that's the last time that's ever going to happen. For now on, I'm asking. We give you Good full you. permission to boldly ask where nobody has asked before. Because what if they did a story, what we're saying now with Ask, is it, and, and we've just been asked to talk to even like 85 of the biggest pastors, 85,000 of the biggest pastors yeah. in America. And, and I said, look, I'm a scholar in a lot of people, but Dr. Napoleon Hill is one of many. And Hill wrote all the fireside chats for FDR. I don't know yep. if you know that or not. Mm -hmm. He wrote lines like, you have nothing to fear, but fear itself. Confront mm -hmm. your fears and make it disappear. Classic. Yeah, lovely, lovely lines. And, and what happened is that when Nap, he was called Nap, and he got paid a dollar a year to help in the White House because he was already mega rich. So FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, well, what are we going to do? And he said, we're going to bring in every pastor and we're going to tell them, you guys are no longer allowed to do negative stories about the Depression. This is 1937. I've written this book, Think Grow Rich. We'll give you a free copy of it, but you've got to turn the story around. Because here's what we learned. You know, I'm a platonic scholar in, in grad school is one of my minors. But Plato said, whoever controls the narrative controls the world. And the world has got to get out of profound, despondent negativity right now because it's destroying and demoralizing as far as we're concerned. And I think you and I have been friends long enough and you wear this wondrous, radiant smile. I think we're on the same page. Absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page. There definitely the world needs more positivity, more motivation, more inspiration. And that's why the world's blessed by you guys. I want to get into those seven roadblocks to asking because I, I know there's a few of them <laughs> blocking me. So the first one we talk about in your book is unworthiness and uh, insecurity, conditioning from our childhood of past experience that tells us we deserve better. Tell us, Crystal. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, the unworthiness is constantly telling us that we don't deserve better. It's this subtle underlying feeling. And so the important thing about these roadblocks is to read about them and read the stories of of people because when we read one another's stories we start to recognize a pattern you know it becomes a metaphor for our own lives that our brains think in patterns so stories are powerful teachers it helps us transcend those limitations but yeah the the story we talk about is bob proctor and bob i don't know if you know bob proctor of course He's one of giant giant premier yep. you know uh motivation guys in the world so loved by all but he his self-esteem was so poor he said I believed I didn't deserve, my sense of unworthiness was so profound when I was, you know, he was already in his adult years. He was a fireman. He made like 
6,000 a year or something like that. Uh, you know, hung out in the bars every night with the same guys, just life was going nowhere until, you know, this mentor of his asked him a question. He's like, is this what you want for your life? You know, and, and then he started asking, what do you want for your life? And he'd never asked himself what he wanted for his life anymore. He didn't, he said, I, I didn't feel like I deserved anything. And I, I didn't feel like I was worthy of asking anyone for help. And so this one mentor helped him through that and through this profoundly, you know, amazing uh, journey of asking questions and answering them and having these complete pivots in his life, he has created himself to be one of the stalwarts that all of us love to listen to in terms of, you know, how to create your best life possible. So it's possible for anyone. But yeah, and then do you want to go forward the next one? Before we do that, let's just brag on Bob a minute. I've owned two great companies with Bob. He's one of our closest friends. We were at his 80th birthday, which feels like yesterday, but he talked to us yesterday morning. By the way, this is probably not fair, but he wrote a long letter and said, you know, in a whole lifetime, uh, you only have a, really, a few good commercial friends, and you're one of my great long-term friends. He said, tomorrow uh, I turn 86. So we called him up. And by the way, he looks great. He feels great. He's doing better than ever. He's got 38 great grandkids. He's just, he's an amazing, he, you know the term mensch. But yep. he is a mensch's mensch. I mean, this guy's got it together. But what Crystal's saying is his front end on worthiness wasn't broken through until he challenged himself and then grew and grew and grew and started making 25000 a month and a million a month. And then everyone came to him and said, how do you do it? And then he became a great teacher and practitioner of our industry. You know, some people just can't break through. They just can't believe in their own greatness and that they're a miracle. Um, no matter what you do, no matter what they hear, no matter how many times they hear it, what do you do for that person? How do you break through? Right. Well, one of the things we talk about in the book, Eli, is how to prepare to be a good asker because we do have to prepare. And the first part of preparation is belief. You know, you have to be willing. And people, people said to me, but yeah, but how do I, how do I believe? Yeah. Because it does start with belief. You have to believe, first of all, that your answers are out there somewhere for you if you keep asking. And you also have to believe that you deserve the answers, okay? Mm, so one. what I tell people is to just suspend disbelief. Just, you know, it's a leap of faith, okay? But everything good in life requires faith. You know, when we enter a marriage, it requires faith in one another that we're going to, you know, move through this life together. Everything requires faith. When I get in the car, drive down the road. I have to have faith in my skills and in God's protection that I'm going to be fine. And so, you know, life is a faith walk. So if we're mm. not willing to believe in ourselves this much, then we really need to say why, ask ourselves why. But the first preparation is belief. Secondly, um, it's ac action. We can't start asking these questions. And as our illuminations come to us and our solutions come to us, we then need to put those in action, okay? Because we can't just sit on the sofa with our blankie around us <laughs> and you know, ask questions and never do anything about it. You know, This is a physical experience that we're in life on this earth. We need to reach out to those people that when we ask a question, we think of something or someone or an idea, follow it up, make the phone call, take the action, do the next step investigate, learn, research, whatever it is. So action's the second one. And then the third one is visualization. You know, God gave us this amazing mind with this amazing imagination. And it's where we get to create the architecture of our lives, literally. That's where it happens. And so if we're willing to use our imagination productively instead of destructively um, by, 
you know, taking quiet time with ourselves and say, and imagine what, what do I really want? And what is my greatest outcome here? And Mark and I say, go to the nth degree of what you really want and suspend your left brain for a minute, you know, because our left brain's always talking us out of things, giving us the ABCs and one, two, threes of why something won't work. Shut that down and just create a movie in your mind about exactly what you want in life. And then write that down and start to engineer it backwards. How did I get here? Who did I talk to? What am I doing each day? You know, and, and so on and so forth. And when you do that magically, you start to create this new plan for your life, this new architecture that fits what you really, really want. So well said, boy. Let's get into uh, the second roadblock to asking in your book. You write about naivety, unaware of what is possible. Tell us about that. Well, I love this one because I tell this story about this, our, um, this wonderful Filipina um, woman who worked for us and took care of our children when we were young. And she was so when delightful when they were young. Yes, <laughs> when, I said when we were <laughs> um, She would make all these wonderful dishes from her homeland. And one day she shows up with this fruit and cuts it up on a plate and hands it to me and says, it's this juicy, shiny uh, orange fruit and said, Crystal, try this. And I tasted it. And I was like, this is the best fruit I've ever tasted. What is this, Melda? And she goes, it's a mango. And I go, a mango? How come I've never had a mango before? Because I've considered myself to be pretty worldly. I traveled all over Europe and a, a lot of places in the world. And I was like, I can't believe I haven't had a mango. This is crazy. Where did you get this? And I was thinking she had imported it from the Philippines. She goes, at the grocery store. <laughs> I was like, all this time I've been passing these by at the grocery store. What else am I passing by? Just because I don't know that it's there. I'm just naive. I just aren't, I'm not aware that it's there, right? What other people am I passing by every day that might have the answer that I'm looking for or an insight that I'm looking for? What opportunities am I passing by every day that you know I, I'm not aware of but might hold a key to something that's so important to me? And so it really woke me up to the, to the idea that we need to be, you know, we, we need to come out of our naivete and be endlessly curious, just like we were when we were children. Mm, love that. So the third one is a biggie, doubt. And uh, we're not sure how to ask you talk about. Uh, it wasn't encouraged in our childhoods. Can you actually use me as a guinea pig for this one? Sure. To tell tell you my story? Yeah. Uh, Eli, tell that. us your tell biggest us doubt. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm going to tell you a story because... Um, I have a celebrity that lives in my building, right? And uh, my elevator is really fast, so it only takes 13 seconds to get up to the floor. So there's not much of a conversation I can have there, right? But this celebrity can probably help me along uh, my path a little bit, right? But I have this like doubt in my head, like, am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to ruin it forever? I'm going to see her in the lobby or in the elevator. She's going to want to ignore me. So I'm like, how do I say the right thing at the right time? Tell me. <laughs> Just ask. May I have your permission to pay you a compliment? Every celebrity wants a compliment. Here's the Ooh. thing. Celebrities. Great question, right? By, by yeah. the way, here, here's, here's the deal. You know, a lot of people get intimidated by me, and I think, you know, you and I have been friends a lot of years, so I don't think I'm intimidating at all, but a lot of people shake when you know, it doesn't tell yeah, me. Half a billion books will do that. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, and some of them have had their life changed seriously in positive ways. Thank God I'm in a positive zone. The, the, the point I'm making is that what we've discovered in most celebrities, that in, because you pick a woman that you and I would look at and say is a 10, 
when we interview them, and we got a lot of them that are friends for all kinds of reasons, because we're on the board of a lot of charities, but the biggest right now is that most of them say they feel like a seven. And it sort of breaks my heart because the world's looking at them at 10, but the, the elevator of their own self-esteem has not gone to the top because they haven't worked on themselves. And one of the things we teach in the book is you got to say to yourself 50 times a day, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough. So when you're going up in the elevator and nobody's with you, just say it. And then pretty soon you're looking at a mirror and you go, I'm enough. And then all of a sudden you're enough. Now you can talk to anybody about anything, anywhere, and you're as good as Barbara Walters. <laughs> I like that. To add to that, Eli, I think it's important to um, compliment what she does, okay? Don't make it about physical appearance because that gets into all kinds of, like, you know, there's so much, again, you know, creeper stuff going like the Me Too movement. You don't want to, you don't want to get into that. But just, like, everybody just, you know, loves a sincere compliment. So I don't know what, what her, her, what she does whether it's movies or journalism or whatever, but a sincere compliment and then, about her, her work sure. is, is mm. really, is really Good answer. helpful, right? Yeah, and say, Good one. May, are I you give you, may I give you a compliment? I love Mark's question. May I give you a, a compliment, you know, and then it's about the work. Yeah, and then the second follow-up question is obvious. With your permission, can I tell you that I am an internationally renowned podcaster, and I'd love to do a podcast with you if you're open and want to, source and serve a lot of people with positivity oh my god that's perfect we'll save but, that one by the way it's pretty irresistible <laughs> here's my position and i'm not trying to be yeah. uh harsh or anything but we're going to california again in a few days and a lot of our friends are in california and we're we, we've been very blessed being the world's best-selling author we've won more awards than anybody and gotten to meet all these people but they are downtrodden they are despondent right now they have not been allowed to do a movie in six months yeah. and and by the way mm. You, I just got done telling Crystal when we had lunch a few minutes ago, because we're in a different time zone than you, that um, I said, look, all these guys that we, and ladies that we know are selling their big homes for one simple reason, which you said was too much overhead. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're relying on these huge, I mean, nobody thought the world would turn like this, right? And you, you feel like you can pretty much count on what's going on in your lives. And then whew, it just got flipped upside down. So celebrities are having the same issue. You know, so it might be interesting to say, you know, I would love to have a conversation with you about, or, you know, what do you think the blank world looks like, whether it's acting, singing, or journalism? What do you think that world's look going to look like in the future? I'd love to, you know, ask you those questions on my podcast. Mm, wow. So questions, questions, questions. I, I love right? that. I love that. Well, you say in your book, you know, I, and this, this one's a real good one. So I, I want my listeners to listen to this real closely. You say, if you don't ask the all, the answer is already an automatic no. Yes. It is so good. So, And one of the guys you know that is a celebrity is, is Peter Goober. And Peter, we got in the book and he's a great dear friend. We vacation with him and everything else. But so cool. Peter's had 50 Academy Awards. Nobody has more than Peter. I mean, everything from Rocky to Batman to I Am the Greatest to, you know, um, everything. You know, just he's wonderful, Rain Man. And then he owns a little sports team. We're sitting with him, and he said, I said, what have you done lately? And he said, oh, I bought a little sports team. I said, really? What one? He said, Golden State Warriors. That what, what? How much? $170 million. That's worth oh, three. Oh, my God. Well, if it ever opens up again, it was worth $3.8 billion when it was positive. But Peter is interviewing me, which is amazing. If you go on. YouTube, you can see all my interviews, but Peter Gruber interviews Mark Victor Hansen as well as a lot of other people for his book, Tell to Win. And Peter says, Mark, you are so dyslexic. Now, I'm not dyslexic <laughs> at all, but he said, everybody that says no to you, you think it's on. 
Isn't that great? I love that. Well, and back to what you were saying, I mean, I think the key here, and we talk about this in several ways in the book, Eli, is, you know, so often when we're ready to ask for something, it's probably why we get so intimidated. We're so self-focused. Um, we have a couple of questions, in, or I mean, sections in the book that talk about this. In business, there's a book, a uh, story by Preston Weeks, talks about how they beat out the big behemoth when they sat down with this huge company and instead of saying, here's what I, I have to sell you, here's what I want you to have, here's what we want you to do, they just said, in a perfect world, what are your needs? You know, in a perfect world, if we met those needs, what would that look like? And you know, what is the most important pain point you have right now that if we fixed it, it would you know, really make a big difference? So if we go into these situations asking about them, just like we were talking about with this person you're going to ask on the elevator, um, you make you, you start asking the questions about them, and that is how you create the bond. You know, that's how human beings create rapport is by asking and answering, you know, with each other. It, it's it's such a beautiful thing. Krista, you just hit the jackpot. You know, just don't be so self-absorbed. I know I've uh, been self-absorbed in my earlier days, and it didn't get me very far. You know, in fact, if anything, it got me nervous. It got me trepidation. And uh, usually the path did not end up too well, you know. So when, when I focused on what I can do to serve, things always are better for me. So it's exactly. such an incredible point. In a, in a speaking business, that's why Zig Ziglar, you know, first of all, he was an a extroverted introvert, sort of like you are, at, or switched, whichever way that fits. But, you know, he trained himself <laughs> to be that and became the world's top salesman and the world's top speaker. Uh, while he was alive. He's unfortunately passed away. But he said, you know, you can have everything in life you want. If you, you help have enough other people get what they want. <laughs> oh, my God. Zig Ziglar. And you know, you know, it's interesting when I watch Zig Ziglar on stage, and I did watch him on stage, I, I was fortunate. When I saw him, my initial impression, he was born that way. That's how natural he looked. Right. No, he's but actually shy true. and introverted. And yeah. Hard to believe. Yeah. My God, that tells a lot, you know. So um, we'll get on to the next one, which is excuses. Yeah. You know, being too stubborn or proud to reach out to someone and be vulnerable. Tell us about that. Okay, so there's a story about my big brother who I absolutely loved and modeled as a little kid, but he's 11 years older than I was. And, and uh, he came back from, he retired a little early because he did really well, is coming back from panning gold with his best friend, and says, well, I'll stay a few days with you in beautiful Scottsdale at your house. And he's here, and, and we have a wonderful time. But after a couple of days, he has to go back home. And I drive him to the airport. I get up at 5, get him to the airport plenty early. Now, understand, I've traveled a quarter million miles a year for 44 years. So I'm, airport protocol is a non-issue for me. And it didn't dawn on me. His wife had predeceased him, who he adored, Priscilla. and But she dragged him through the airport. And I didn't know that. So I said, big brother, are you... Uh, here's your ticket. You got your tickets. You know how to get to a gate. And everything. Oh yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. He would never, he had too much self-esteem and he would too damn stubborn right. to tell, I would have gladly parked the car, walked his little butt in, walked him all the way to the gate. Cause he's not handicapped. He's very bright, but he didn't ever make it to the gate. Well, late that night I call up to his house and his daughter answers Jody. And I said, Jody, can I talk to your dad? And said, didn't you know? I said, I don't think I like what you're telling me. What Jody? He said, he won't be home for another 12 hours. I said, what? I got him to the airport plenty of time. Said he couldn't find the gate. 
and uh, he sort of blames you. And I said, wait a second. At our airport, Phoenix International, it's a giant airport. Everybody wears purple coats. All you got to do is walk up to a guy or a lady with a purple coat on, ask them anything. They'll tell you where the bathroom is, what, how to get to gates and terminal C or whatever. He, she said, Dad would never do that. Didn't you know? Priscilla dragged him through the airports. He never in his whole life knew how to get through an airport. I said, man, I wish you'd, you're my great niece. Why couldn't you tell me that? I would have gladly walked your dad all the way to the gate. But all that, his whole life was excuses. He was profoundly successful in what he did, but because he had a photographic memory, but, and he was, you know, brilliant, but he wasn't willing to ask. It just is, it's, to, to the two of us, and, and I hope to you, it's heartbreaking that there are a lot of people that go through at a, at a sub level of what they could achieve if they just got rid of the excuse. Say, look, there's no more excuses. I'm going to ask. Simple uh, ask, right? Do, do men uh, tend not to ask as much as women? You find that? You know, I think it's both. Sometimes women are afraid, you know, in like a boardroom or something. Sometimes it's the, wi- the, the woman that won't speak up and ask the questions because, you know, that's why there have been a lot of studies done about that, why, why girls do well in all girls schools. I put my girls in an all girls um, Catholic high school because when got boys are around, they'll hold back and not ask the question as fast. Mm. But yeah, men, it's more about the stubborn pride. And so that, that fit Bailey, Mark's brother. He just was like, I don't need any help. You know, you know these people, right? Your audience knows these people. Oh, yeah. Those, the, stubborn, <laughs> the stubborn pride. I don't need help. No thanks. I don't need anything. Yet they'll, they'll not accept help. They'll never ask. And then they'll suffer. And then they'll have a, ter- a terrible outcome. And, and it, again and again and again. And they never, they just are so stubborn. They can't get over it. And unfortunately, Bailey, in his case, by the time he got home, he had a touch of pneumonia. You know, because he, he, he had caught a little cold in Alaska. And just that whole day in the airport and the stress turned it into pneumonia. And it just, so many situations in his life were like that, where he just was too stubborn to ask. And if you called me, I would have gone and picked him up. I would have got him on the right plane. I would have switched planes from him. I could have done seven different things yeah. we write in the book. But, you know, you've got to get over excuse Stubbornness, yeah. Absolutely. So number uh, five in the seven roadblocks to asking, I think is a real, real big one. And I, I got to believe that over 90% of people have struggled with this, if not every human being who has ever lived. And that's fear, the underlying feeling that we'll lose something by asking. So tell us a little bit about the fear factor here. Right. The fear factor is so huge with asking. And I think it's, it comes down to this, you know, a human's need for, for love, I think. So we feel like if we ask and we're rejected, we're, we're losing love or we're losing approval. And that is not true. You know, again, we become, it's, it's, it's so, we become so self-focused that we always think things are about us. And normally they have nothing to do with us. If someone tells you no, it really has nothing to do with you or what you're offering or what you're suggesting. It's just the place they are at this particular moment. It doesn't work for them. It's not, and we personalize those things and we're devastated. So we hold back. We get, some people just terrified to ask. And so we need to remember that, that it's not personal. And, you know, you have so much to gain by getting over that fear and asking. There's a great story in the book by a woman named Lynn Marquis who was, uh, she came out of college wanting to go into the nonprofit space. She knew that's what she wanted. So she uh, decided to put together this summer camp for children. And it was pretty expensive for disadvantaged children because, you know, their parents can't afford it and they've got their home all summer, what to do with them. 
So she put together this fabulous camp. It was kind of expensive. It was $5,000 for child, but she was able to get an appointment with the richest woman in her town. And this woman controlled a large family trust. But the day she showed up at the woman's office, she was so scared to ask her for support to, to sponsor a camper that she said, I was visibly shaking. My body was trembling so much I couldn't hide it. So I just said, I'm really scared. I am so sorry. And the woman was very kind. She said, you know, don't worry. So let's sit down together and, and tell me what you have here. So she, she said, I put together this amazing camp, the great benefits that for the children, and it's, it's really going to help. And, and uh, she said, okay, it sounds amazing. How much are you asking for? And again, she got so scared, she stuttered. She goes, it's $5,000. Um, that's how much it costs to put a child through. And she said, so the, and the woman answered her, okay, but how many children are coming? How many children do you want to sponsor? And she said, there are like 285. And she, the woman said, okay, I want to sponsor all of them. <laughs> so she said, how much will that be? And Lynn was so shocked, just jaw dropped, shocked. She said, do you have a calculator? I have no idea. She came in there scared to ask for $5,000 for wow. one camper. Mm -hmm. And this woman blew her away in granting her request, so over granting her request. So think about it, how irrational that fear is, right? Because we don't know who that next person is going to be who's going to over answer our request, over grant the wish, be totally on board. And sometimes, you know, Lynn was scared, but sometimes we just literally have to step on our fear with courage and crush it and keep asking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love right? that. Yeah, I remember the first time I went up on a radio show uh, and I was, you know, kind of trembling. It was a long time back because uh, I'm saying, oh, I was 50,000 people could be listening to me. And then it uh, reminded me of a book that I had read and someone actually I had at my seminar center, Dr. Susan Jeffers, and she wrote a book called yep. Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And just, friend. right, it was a great title, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Yeah, I you know, love that. Right? That's what it's about. So let's get to number six, patent paralysis, a blind spot that patent carriers cannot see. Right. I mean, I, and I know we all know these people, but they just keep, they get so stuck in their pattern and keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And it's not working. And they're sabotaging their happiness, their success their relationships, basically everything, but they refuse to look at the pattern. And, and looking at the pattern means asking, what is working in my life? Is what I'm doing working? Is what I'm doing in these relation, my relationship working? Okay, what are the results I'm getting? You know, when you start down that path of asking questions, you will learn so much about yourself. And that's really the only way to break out of pattern paralysis. That's why Socrates said, know thyself. And, you know, then the last line he said was, the unexamined life is not worth living. And mm. what we're saying is, we don't know another way to examine life better than, I'm glad that you're hitting on asking. I, let me do that. I, I've never said this in any podcast. And we've probably done 60 or 70 podcasts so far. I didn't know about podcasting before four or five months ago. But my, my position is, you know how, forgive me if I'm exposing you to your whole audience, but never, you never. said that all of a sudden this word ask keeps coming into your head. Yes. Yes. I've seen it in a, back to pattern, positive pattern though, is that we're being told by a lot of people that, that it's coming into their head. Do you think, Eli, I'm asking this innocently, not as a marketing test. No, please. Is it, is it do you think God's just sort of saying, hey, everybody, wake up, shake, shake it, shake it, shake it. 
because you got to ask, because you got to pivot, you got to go in a new direction, you got to reinvent, you got to, you got something great in front of you, because you really have a great destiny if you just start asking yourself the right question, so you ascend and transform to the best you possible. I love that. I absolutely believe that I need to ask more questions. So if I need to ask more questions, so does everybody else. And I think in asking, that's where you, where the gold is. You know, otherwise you're depending on your own mind. And you're going to repeat the same patterns you've, you've had for decades, right? The status quo. You've even, you even talk about the status quo in your book. Yep, exactly. What, what happens is what we discovered is the minute you ask questions, you get illumination. And, and, you know, back when I was in grad school with Bucky Fuller, who's Albert Einstein's best student, who's a futurist, a thinker, a genius, 2,000 inventions, all that stuff, 40 books. When I was traveling with Bucky for seven years, Dr. Fuller, he's affectionately called himself Bucky, is it, is it when Am Bucky used to teach me, anytime you ask a question, you could ask, what's that tree? And, and you don't know why, but three days later, somebody comes and say, isn't that the most beautiful walnut tree that you've ever seen? And you go, wow. But the same is true if you ask yourself, how do I become a millionaire? How do I become healthy? How do we get out of this malaise? How do, how do we get over the fear? How do we do, you know, how do we start back to what I said a second ago to you? How do we start learning to ask? There must be a profound science and talent and, and refinement to it. And we think we've got it. And boy, the results of people like you are so complimentary to us saying, you know, just our, our beginning story got you involved in it. You can hardly wait to finish the whole book to do it. And then you'll probably want to read it again and share it to friends who are despondent, disconsolate, upset. And that's what's happening. Everybody's starting to share the book and it's starting to grow like wildfire in the country. Right. And just to hitchhike on what Mark said, when, when we did the research for this book, what, what we found was that when you ask yourself, science shows this, the studies show this, when you ask yourself a question, it literally lights up a different part of your brain. It's the part of your brain that does critical thinking. So you literally are, by asking, are causing your brain to go to work for you mm -hmm. in a better, bigger way. And the more questions you ask, the more you get access to that resource that's right here. Wow, this is great stuff. You guys are amazing. So we're on to the last one, number seven itself, disconnection, giving up on the real desires of the heart. Tell us about that. Right. And for me, Eli, this is probably the saddest one of all uh, for me, honestly, when I see people do this, because it's really about, you know, giving up on yourself, giving up on those desires that, that God seeded inside of you because we all have that we all come to this earth with something to do with a purpose to be had and and expressed and so it's it's what you see when you just see apathy you know and, and just giving up and so it just we're, we become so out of touch that um, we become numb and so it's important to just come back to yourself and realize those dreams are still there, but you just need to be brave enough and bold enough to start asking those questions because you're here for a reason. We're all here for a reason. And I don't mean, you know, everyone's going to be a king or a rock star. It's not, that's not, it's, we have a purpose that is all about connecting to one another, learning, growing, evolving, doing our part in this just mesh of humanity, you know, and that's why on the ask God part, we say, ask yourself, ask others and ask God. One of my favorite questions every day is to myself is God, you know, what is your, the greatest expression for which you made me, right? What, what is my, how do I fit into this, this kingdom purpose, this, this universe? You show me what that is. 
You know, you two guys are like the cutest couple. I mean, you, you guys have so much smarts in you. I, I just absolutely, I can't find a cuter couple on the planet. And I got to tell you, to, to summarize, <laughs> to summarize the Hanson's extraordinary book, Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, in their words, ask for things that are beyond you, bigger than you, bigger than anyone you know, bigger than anything you have accomplished so far. My listeners, you were born to be a winner. You were born to be a champion. Don't waste one more precious minute of your life. Go out and buy 10 or 20 copies of Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny and give them as gifts because I'm going to do that today. I'm going to buy 10, I'm going to buy 20 copies of your books and I'm going to give them out as gifts. Those are great presents. You never know whose life you will turn around and I have a feeling that many lives will be turned around because my life's being turned around right this moment. Mark and Crystal, you are American treasures. I am beyond blessed to have you on the Motivation Show. Thank you so much for being my guest today. We want to give everybody one Thank other you. gift, Eli, because of our friendship forever. And we want everybody to go to asktheboookclub.com and join. It's free. And once a month, you get to ask anything you want of Crystal and Mark. And we're going to have askers literally from around the world. And you'll get to listen in on other askers. And it'll illuminate you. It'll expand you. It'll give you solutions. And it's going to be one of the more wonderful things. All because this little book has been will be poured into your soul. It's going to reveal who you really are in the universe and what you can do that's going to be, like Crystal said, profound as you discover and actualize your destiny. And of course, it's available on Amazon. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> so get the book and then join us for the book club. It's free. We just want to keep the discussion going. I'll be doing that today. I'll be joining that club. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love our listeners and we believe you have greatness within you. If you like The Motivation Show, we appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Check out EliMarcusSuccess.com to hear more inspiring shows and to read our motivational blog. That's EliMarcusSuccess.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.